Assalamu alaikum, welcome to the Fair Dinkum podcast. We're in Perth with our beloved Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim. Alhamdulillah, beautiful weather, beautiful vibes, beautiful people. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's good to have you guys visiting. Thank you for coming all the way. Alhamdulillah. Um, I wanted to get to it. So Ramadan is coming up, inshallah. And recently I've realized that a lot of my habits are built on to-do lists. I write a to-do list for the things I want to do, especially Ramadan. Mm. I write, I want to um, pray certain prayers at the mosque. I want to fast, give sadaqah. But I wanted to change it this year to kind of build up upon like love for Allah and doing things just out of love and love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So I want to talk to you how I can build that kind of love. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. See, that's such a, it's a wonderful, genuine kind of expression. And I think when it comes to the Prophet ﷺ, there's a certain number of things that need to come together. So one of the first directions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives is Allah wa Rasul. That there is a command to obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Today, people don't like that word. Like when you say, you know, obey, it's, mm. it's almost like derogatory. Like, well, what do you think I am? You think I'm a slave? And the mm. answer is yes. When it comes to Allah and when it comes to the messenger, So what I would say is where the relationship has to begin, it begins in your mind. Is that you see that there is a king. And that's why the very last verses of the Quran, the very last message of the Quran, Allah says there are three things that I represent to you. I'm the Lord. I'm the one who created. I'm the one who made. I'm the one who destined. I'm the one who protects. I'm the one who provides. I'm the Rabb. Because I'm the Rabb, I'm the lawgiver. I'm the king. The, that's, the order comes from me. The obedience is to me. And I am the only one who should be your ilah, the only one you give your service and worship. Uh, the word, uh, you know, ibadah uh, comes from that concept of kamal al-hubbi wa that it is an absolutism in love, but in also humility and humiliation. That the one you love can make you do what nobody else will make you do. Mm. That you are you're willing to put your face in the ground five times a day for the one you love. When everybody on your street, it's all dark and, 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 and the night has set and it's the darkest hour before Fajr, you're awake. And that's why the seekers, the ones who really love Allah, are the ones who are with Him when others aren't. So it begins with that paradigm. I'm Abd. And that's the most elevated status of the Prophet Subhanallah so this concept of ubudiyah is something that we must break our pride towards. And that's why arrogance mm. is, you know, to, to reject the truth from where it comes, wherever it comes. So that, I think that would probably be the first kind of step. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think a big ego thing, especially, that's, mm. that's the first thing that came to mind. Like, we don't want to be put down. Because we kind yeah. of have that. We don't want to be like that humility. We don't want to say I'm a slave yeah. to anyone. But then kind of understanding that we are slave to Allah is a... The big... ulama actually address that. Okay. So the ulama, they address it. They say uh, for somebody to be abd to anything but Allah is dhul, is humili- humiliation. Mm-hmm. It's degradation. It's, it's, 
So uh, like, the de- deprivation of liberty, uh, when you eat, when you, what you wear, where you go, who you marry or can't marry, what you do, everything is, is in the command of other than yourself. But when it's to Allah, it's not that your power is stripped from you, it's that Allah's power is given to you. Mm. So it becomes a very different relationship. That all of a sudden now when you're the Abd of Allah, you've lost certain decisions, but you've gained the power of a whisper to Allah makes effect in your life. You have a metaphysical effect because your adhkar are present. So that's why the, the stories of the prophets are not miraculous. Like the, the concept of a miracle is not just, you know, something supernatural. When you and I, we hear that Yunus alayhi salam, you know, he would have been dragged down into the ocean in the belly of a whale. Lawla, had it not been, and kana min al-musabbihin, that he was regular in his invocations to God, which is something you can do. Yeah. You can do that. But what separates between you, me, and Yunus is that he does it and we are unable to meet that as much as it should be. What makes Muhammad وسلم, the elite is that he is Abd al-Khalq. He's the most worshipping of Allah. That's why his name is Ahmed, the one who praises God the most. So that issue of, you know, being, feeling that ibadah is to strip away power, for us it is true with everything, but Allah, it is to gain a power that you could not have without him. So how would you gain it? Because you said Yunus is, is a consistency? It's consistency. It is, it, it's first, that first thing that I mentioned is that you understand you're obligated. Mm. That your heart makes that decision that سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا And that's where the eternal struggle is. That's the struggle of the nafs. That's, the, that's where the shaitan kind of plays up in my life, in, in your life, yeah. in all of our lives. I think, Ramadan, I think Ramadan is good because it kind of gives you that 30 days of why are we not eating, why are we not drinking, why are we lowering our gaze or not backbiting, even though we should. And the promise of the shaitan being restrained. Yeah, the consciousness, like, yeah. The, yeah, like, uh, and, and people misunderstand that, you know, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that the, that the most evil of the shayateen are held back. What it means is, is that external forces are not as powerful in acting on you. Because you're in a more sedate kind of state, you're not as active as you normally are, you're not going and coming and moving around, you have less exposure to what you normally would if you had the full energy and you're eating and you're drinking and you're going out at, you know, for lunch with a friend and coffee for another. Yeah. Those kind of things are already restrained from you, so now you're left to your own self. So the shaitans are still whispering in our ear? Of course, absolutely. But, yeah. So the, are they actually locked up? Or so it... the word locked up, it, you know, uh, uh, it, the, the context of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is that they're put to chains. It's adat lil balagha. It's a form of eloquence, right, in the Arabic language. Mm. It's not meant to be a material sense that you and I are like the shaitan got handcuffed and now he's out of my life. No, mm. the reality is I can undo his handcuff at any time. If I seek that which is haram, I empower the shaitan. Yeah. But if I seek that which is opposite to his aims, opposite to my vain desires and, and, and vanities and, and pride and, and sinful impulses, then the shaitan remains weakened uh, before me. 
It's like they say, when you feed one desire, it feeds another and another. Like Imam Ghazali's book, Breaking of the Two Desires, mm. it says feeding your stomach increases like the likelihood of the other, like the sexual appetite or other types of desires. And, and so. that's, you know, if you study kind of Ghazali from a psychology perspective, it's actually quite incredible. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, even in his response to philosophers and things like that, it's, it's really deep. So what you will find in modern science is that, you know, you want to quit smoking. It doesn't just begin by you focusing on smoking. You got to gain control in other things in your life that empower you to be able to do that. So by me being able to control the impulse of not eating everything I want, whenever I want it, at, you know, even beyond the capacity that I have, it then sets a tone in my life that I can restrain other things that are not directly related to that, but it becomes a mindset shift and a change in paradigm. Have you seen people do like the dopamine detox? Uh, have you heard of it? I haven't heard of it, okay. no. So people like dopamine, you get this good feeling Absolutely. when you go on social media or mm. you eat whatever, all the meals yeah. you want. So people do a detox where they're cleansing themselves from all the things they want to do. Mm. And then people can't survive like 24 hours. Yeah. Like eating because foods I, that are like... I can and, understand why that, that would be so. Because yeah. I, personally myself, from the, the study of our dean, there was never meant to be a cold turkey approach to anything. Like mm. even even ac- ac- aspects of ibadah, there was never like a start stop, and that's why the Prophet said the said. best deeds are the ones that are small but consistent, like they're lifelong, yeah. and that's why all of the deeds that we do as Muslims are really simple. De- you know, Subhanallah, 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 mm. Subhanallah, thirty three times, but do it five times a day, mm. every day. Week after week after week, month after month. If I tell you just 33 times, it's not a... Anybody can do that. Takes less than a minute. But who does that is the one who is like Yunus. He was consistent. That consistency becomes a powerful thing. I think sometimes we also, when it's so small and we belittle it, it's like, I don't want to just do subhanAllah 33 I want to read a juz a day, like in Ramadan. Mm. I want to read two juz a day so I can finish yeah. Quran twice. So it's that kind of thing as well. You know, the concept of a juz actually was, was derogatory initially. So the Quran at the time of the Sahaba, it didn't have juz, right? Mm. It was just the Quran. It was almost inconceivable in the time of the Sahaba that a person wouldn't complete the Quran in less than an usbuah. So the first sections of the Quran, other than the surahs, was seven sections it was broken okay. up into subuah and in seven in seven different and then people kind of got lazy like one or two generations of yeah. the they said listen you know people are struggling to do four or five juz a day let's make it easier for them let's just make it you know 30 parts because it's inconceivable that there's a muslim alive yeah. who would not read at least a section of the quran every day and finish every month because that's where the prophet began as a minimum right finish it every month if, if you can do it every and the, the sahaba kept pushing you say ya rasulullah can i yeah. do it every week can i do it every every day and the prophet said you know you won't understand it in its entirety completely in under three days so it's like you're not you should you can but you shouldn't mm. if you're trying to you know could, uh, Take get it its in. gist yeah. as well yeah it's like Uthman ibn Affan who recited the whole Qur'an in one rakat. Yeah, in one, and or, he's or not unique in that. Radiallahu anhu wa ala sahabati ajma'i. Subhanallah. So you should take it all in. Yeah, but see how you, you and I wonder about that. It's what? like, wow. I read like, like wow. two surahs and I'm feeling good. 
Subhanallah. Yeah, you know, the, the, but Ramadan kind of gives story. you that feeling where you kind of want to increase, mm. which is the main thing. But then now going back to the consistent in Ramadan, should we be trying to push ourselves to the max because it's only that small time or even just build on that small and consistent? Yeah, so, you know, the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, Sufyan ibn Uyayna kana yaglik al-Qur'an, yaglik al-Kutub al-Hadith, he would close all the books of Hadith. Ramadan, even before Ramadan in Sha'ban, they shut all the books of Hadith, and they wouldn't teach Hadith. Sufyan ibn Uyayna, Sufyan al-Thawri, and they would just busy themselves with the Qur'an. So definitely you want a Qur'an in your pocket. You, and I know you're going to say, oh, I have it on my mobile phone. I hate that. No, I have it on my mobile yeah. phone. But I, I, I will say to you, like as a Qur'an hack, get a, don't worry about your phone. Get yourself a small little mushaf. Okay. And put it in your pocket, put it in your bag. Because your phone has other things. And there's other notifications and other yeah. temptations. And, if you're reading, you'll see and notification. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice that you know you have it on your phone mashallah every muslim should but have a small little have a small little quran i have one in my bag i have one in my like everywhere i gotta you know you gotta have a quran everywhere in your car wherever you are that there's something that you can continue following through and if all you can read is a verse don't let the day go by without the verse like if all you can do is a verse or two more or less, don't let it go by. So every day there should be at least something. Absolutely. That's the concept of weird. How about for someone who, like for example, people that don't understand the Arabic, should they only be reading the Arabic or should they be maybe listening to tafsir or trying to read the translation? In Ramadan, the focus is on the tilawa. Read, okay. read, 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 okay. read. Uh, because you ask me, I still don't understand the Qur'an. Mm. Because you'll never... Where do you come to a point and say, yeah, I understand enough, now mm. I can stop, now I'm going to memorize, now I'm going to yeah. read. Uh, the Qur'an was always taught to young children. Why? Because they don't understand it. But why is it taught to young children? Because once you develop the fluidity, then the rest of your life you begin learning to unravel its meaning and mystery. But the Qur'an is meant to awaken the heart and to be built with a regiment and a, a process of mm. having a, you know a daily visitation to it more than one time a day and i do recommend a little bit before fajr or a little bit after fajr and certainly before you sleep whether even in your bed just read a couple of pages so a couple of verses yeah. inshallah how about for people that don't know how to read should they be trying to do classes to try to get better yeah, in the month absolutely uh so Whatever you invest in the Qur'an is returned. Mm. Returned in this life and returned in the next. So if this is the moment where you decide to yourself, I'm going to undo the shame that I have. Because all of us, we carry that little yeah. shame, right? There's so many Muslims, subhanAllah, who have this little guilty secret where they don't read Qur'an well. And they feel bad about it, but they're, because it's this guilt and it's a secret they have, they don't really want it to get exposed. So... It's not as simply as easy walking into the masjid mm. and saying, I want to learn. That takes, you know, yeah. takes a lot of guts. And it's not for everyone. But there are other means. There are other means for you to, to do that. So even if it's just to put something on repeat that you memorize a surah that you didn't, where it's just one ayah every day that you memorize it, mm. who, who can't you know, memorize Alhamdulillahi ladhi, Alhamdulillahi ladhi, and then come tomorrow. Mm. أَنزَلَ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ الْكِتَابِ أَنزَلَ عَلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ الْكِتَابِ وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ عِوَجًا 
and over three days you memorize the verse. Mm. But do that until death surprises us. And you'd be surprised how far of the Quran you will get. I think it's um, like the instant gratification. Because sometimes we belittle that half of an ayah and we're like, yeah. we don't want to just do half, we want to do a page a day or two pages yeah. and we're not willing to be patient. Yeah. But I think in Ramadan it's kind of a month where you can be patient because you have 30 days, you can kind of break it up. So I remember you did, I think, um, sort of mulk, you did yeah. one, um, one ayah, one ayah, ayah a every day. day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of my online Islamic school, right? So one ayah every day mm-hmm. and I just repeat it and it's like a three minute clip, four minute clip. Mm-hmm. You can just listen to it, follow along, and in 30 days or in six, six months, yeah. whatever long it takes you, you can get it. Memorize it's not it like unattainable. Yeah. Absolutely. What's the reward in Ramadan for like each letter for reciting the Quran? Subhanallah. Uh, look, to speak about reward, it's left to Allah. Okay. But the Prophet ﷺ tells us for every letter of the Quran, every harf is given 10 times its amount. So, Alif, Lam, Meem. The Prophet ﷺ said, Alif harf, lam harf, meem harf. So 30 hasanat. And in the month of Ramadan, Allah increases for whom he wills, how he wills. And the Prophet ﷺ tells us another beautiful hadith, you know, Al Mahiru bil Quran, the artful, skilled one in the reading of the Quran, Ma'asafarat al Kiram in Barra. They reach the level of the, the noble scribes and the angels. Uh, reads the Quran and stumbles in it, you know, stumbling with every letter. They have double the reward, two times the reward, twice the reward. Um, so a person might read, you know, one page of the Quran that will give them greater standing with Allah because of the sacrifice of their time, of their struggle, of their inability that cannot be matched by someone who reads the whole Qur'an with a fluidity that their heart wasn't present in, right? That didn't have the same determination. Allah is not there for quantity. It's for the quality of hearts. And doing it again for like love. That's why like building the love for the Qur'an. Yeah. So that love comes from understanding one's place and understanding that at times the difficulties we have in life are not signs of rejection but of affection from Allah. Sometimes we assume that, you know, when things in life are not as we want them to be, that that means Allah doesn't love me. He's giving these people everything Mm. they want. What about me? The Prophet addresses that so often, actually, subhanAllah. And Allah addresses in the Quran as well, often. But one of the powerful hadith of the Prophet is he says, uh, you know, if you were to see Allah giving abd ma yuhib, Allah abd ma yuhib, if you see Allah giving a person everything they want, and that same person you witness them day in, day out in sin, and yet Allah's giving them, mm. the Prophet says, Allah's giving them everything they want. Know that Allah is just giving them time before they are held to account. That Allah gives all of us you know, moments to come back to him. And it's not that Allah is forgetful or that Allah has favored that person, right? Don't let, you know, the dominance of those who have rejected God over the world and some of the lands that they live in make you deceived that they are given favor by Allah. It's just a, a momentary fleeting moment of ease that they have 
and that which comes after is not. Just May Allah protect us. I mean, I mean, I mean. I wanted to chat to you about also like overindulgence in food in Ramadan because mm. obviously we all love the Ramadan sweets that come out. Yeah. But you went to like a body transformation. You yeah. went and you've known how it is like you might have a sweet tooth. So uh. how, what's the overindulgence like? Because I know for me, I play sports. Yeah. So there's certain nutrients I need every mm. single day to kind of like keep my body going. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. It's like I always try to get my nutrients in. Like I tried intermittent fasting. Yeah. Have you? you yeah, yeah. It didn't work out for me. Yeah. Because I couldn't get, for I couldn't get yeah. the nutrients. I, I'm not, I didn't need to lose that many kilos. Mm. You're I, more of a macros guy, I think. you you got to count your macros. Nah, 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 that's too much doesn't effort. doesn't work yeah. too much effort. Okay. I can do calories, but yeah. it just, I didn't get the nutrients. I needed to go gym or play soccer and stuff like yeah. that. So how about in Ramadan, like the overindulgence of food? And Look, nobody fits into one box. There's a box for you. There's a mm. box for me. Everybody's different. But there are certain guidelines that we see in the life of the Prophet. So I said so we see the Prophet ﷺ would say things like, we are a people that we only eat when we're hungry. And then he would say, and when we eat, we don't eat until we're full. He would say things like that there's a third for air. You know, that yeah. just that concept that you're only going to... If you eat, it's only two-thirds. Yeah. You'll never, ever get to a place where you're like, oh, that was I'm stuffed. Mm-hmm. Never. It's like not meant to happen. Umar radiallahu anhu, when he saw it, multiple plates being placed in front of him, like different kinds of things, more than one fruit or more than one, you know, mm. he wept. And he said, this isn't how we were meant to be. Um, certainly you would want to lessen your consumption of red meat, all okay. of us. The Prophet ﷺ was borderline vegetarian. So like when I say borderline, I'm saying that he would only eat meat as a luxury item. Mm. It, and that's why we do it for Eid. So it wasn't a consistent part of It was like aqiqah. It was like, you know, walima. You know, somebody's getting married. Oh my God, we're going to get meat. Somebody had a baby. Oh my God, we're going to get meat. <laughs> right? Oh my God, it's Eid. Oh my God, we're going to get meat. Rarely was meat. And that's why it was such a prized thing. So the Prophet loved meat. So he wasn't vegetarian ideologically. He was veg- vegetarian be, be, nearly vegetarian because of the circumstances and what is a balanced lifestyle. Mm. So for every day that you eat meat, you need about 10, 15 days that are kind of... Is this science? I'm telling you, man. And, and, and a lot of the hormones that have affected human mm. beings that kind of seep through our societies and affect, uh, you know, testosterone levels yeah. and all of these kind of things that see, uh, you know, other things being affected mm. in other ways comes from yeah. what we consume. And that age-old adage, you are what you eat, is, is very true. Mm-hmm. It's very, very true. So you want to limit your meat intake and eat it so it's something that you can enjoy, cook it well and, and, yeah. and make sure you enjoy it, but it's not the thing that you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. Today, people, they're eating, like, eggs with steak in the morning. And then they'll come lunch and they'll have, like, a, a beef poloni sandwich or a hamburger. And then they come dinner and then there's, like, you know, mom made, you know, biryani. And, you know, yeah. oh, you made biryani without me. It's not biryani. It's like, what? It's an insult. Yeah. Like, if you were to invite people over and not have meat, it's it's almost mm. like an insult. But that was the norm at the time of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Um, 
And that's why, you know, his favorite dish was Farid, which was a meat dish, because it wasn't something that was there each and every day. It's like that dish you look forward to having. Mm-hmm. And another, I guess, tip is water. Yeah, a we lot don't of water. drink enough water. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about liquids. I'm talking about water. Like water, water. Not the garbage that people drink where they're drinking Powerade and other things. <laughs> no sugar. Electrolytes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are things that are, you know, excesses. But mm. water was always... You know, this water came down as a purifier. Mm. And that purification, it's not just for the earth, it's for your kidneys, for your liver, for your blood. So that, you know, each of us should be drinking more water than what we are. Whatever amount of water you're drinking now, you should be doing a little bit more. So mm. put that as a target, especially in Ramadan. And there's a hikmah in the Prophet and breaking his fast with a date. And then water, and then milk, right? That liquids. So milk is another really important mm. part of our diet. And if you can get good camel milk, if you can get goat's milk, if you can get camel, uh, you know, uh, uh, proper nice cow milk. Do are they available in Perth? They are, yeah. Camel okay. milk, absolutely, yeah. Okay, maybe we'll go try. It's some. a little bit more <laughs> expensive, but honestly, it's uh, it's a uh, and you'll feel uh, a great deal of vibrance in it. So it's, it's something that I, I recommend. And, and finally, I guess, is to limit glucose uh, or sugars or carbohydrates, right? Because bread is, is actually sugar because that's how your body kind of processes it. So you can eat bread, but think about what else you're taking with it and how much of that is being turned into sugar the amount of insulin that our body produces today compared to what was happening in the 50s to people in the 60s 70s 80s 90s is mm. unheard of unheard of it's unchartable mm. it's incredible yeah so uh, becoming a little bit more knowledgeable about those kind of things it's not about weight so it's not about weight control that you and i should be concerned about it's about our overall longevity and health and that Allah gave us an amana and asked us to maintain it. And the patterns we set are the patterns that your future, inshallah, wonderful family, your own mm. children, your great-grandchildren, your great-great, will, will also inherit through your genes mm. and the things you pass on to them. So it's, it's like, important. It's like how you feel. How do you feel now since the body? No, alhamdulillah. And, you know, as I said, conscious. I'm sorry that my office is like, I got extra pairs of shoes here because <laughs> those are my running shoes, right? Like, so I have, you know, I got shoes in my car. Shoes in my office, shoes in my home, mm. so that I can get in no excuse. movement. Because I'm not able to just say, oh, sorry, honey, I'm going to play soccer with my... Mm. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not like you, man. Young I'm, man, yeah. I'm not a young man. <laughs> so I still got to get, you know... So these shoes, sometimes they'll put them on, and that staircase that we climbed up into my office, I'll do like 20 flights. Just up and down, up and down, up and down, in like a 15-minute kind of cycle. And then I got, at least I did something. Mm. That becomes really so some important. Form of so you got to fit, fit, fit something into your into your day, into what works for you, right? Into what what matters to you. Even in Ramadan, because I know absolutely like- in Ramadan, uh, try to get it done. Um, you know, at a time where you find it best for yourself. What works best for you? 
so this Ramadan, I'm, I'm, last Ramadan was kind of a washout. Subhanallah, it was a little bit different with COVID and all these kind of things. Uh, this Ramadan, my normal routine is early mornings. I just got ourselves, you know, we just got a new rowing machine at home. Okay. That's good. So the rowing machine, very good, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, you know, so I'm I'm looking forward to the rowing machine. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to get into it, say an hour before iftar, so that That's I don't dehydrate. I do. yeah, yeah, so I don't dehydrate too much, but it will depend on when iftar is in Perth because it's a little bit earlier than you guys. So we're breaking fast like five thirty. Yeah, we're about the same because they're yeah, like okay. savings. They like yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, so we'll see inshallah. Okay, inshallah. I'll try out different days. Yeah. Just see what works on a but. Try to be consistent, okay. inshallah. What makes Ramadan special to you? Because obviously it's a big time of year. <coughs> Everyone's always waiting for Ramadan. Yeah, I think Ramadan is special uh, because it is a scarce season. So the scarcity of it. Uh, number two is that it is family. It's about love. So I have a piece that I wrote. It's actually a two-part piece called Finding Love in Ramadan. And... You know, the month of Shaban, the 15th day, is upon us, right? Next couple, coming days. Mm. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is saying. that Allah looks into the hearts of His creation on the middle of Shaban, two weeks before Ramadan. And any heart that is closed towards another and has agitation between it and another human being are those who are not forgiven their sins for the year of past. So why is that the standard two weeks outside Ramadan? Why is Allah encouraging you to make peace with those who you're at odds with? Because for you to find love with Allah in Ramadan, you need to come in with a clean slate. The clean slate is not with Him, but it's with those who are with you. So if you need to give somebody an apology or receive an apology, but you're being too arrogant, do it. This is the time. You've got to get it done. How, how do you know? Like Sometimes I'm not too sure if I've wronged someone. It doesn't matter who's wrong. Why does it matter? But in general, like, I don't know if I actually wronged someone. Yeah, I yeah, might have met matter. you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But then how do I, how do I apologize? Yeah. No, I so, did something wrong. Should I just do like a message to my Instagram yeah, so, followers? No, no, no. So, see, for you to be accountable to Allah, there is the knowledge of what you have done. Okay. And that requires repentance. But then there's something called istighfar. Istighfar is what you say, astaghfirullah, for what you don't know you did. So the Prophet mm-hmm. said, ask istighfar for the sins you've made that are more silent than the footsteps of a dark ant in a moonless night. Like there's things yeah. in my life that are just no crawling. I, have, I didn't know I upset you that I made you wait mm-hmm. or something, right? It's like hidden. So you make istighfar to protect you from the, from the agitation of other people's hearts. That's all that's required. Mm-hmm. But when you know what Allah's, you know, what the Prophet is speaking about here is where you know there's a problem between you and your family, you and a brother, you and a, you know, someone you wronged or were wronged by. The month of Ramadan, don't let it arrive with that there. Put an end to it, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Read my piece, inshallah. You inshallah. can just Google Yahya Ibrahim, Finding Love in Ramadan, okay. part one and two. So family is a big part of your Ramadan. Oh, huge. And then scarcity. Scarcity. Uh, Finally, I think there's definitely the... I don't know how how to say it. The aloneness of Ramadan. Um, I might... I don't think I'm the only one who loved last Ramadan alone. I think 
the thing is the year before that I did surgery two days before yeah. so I was alone that month and then the COVID I was already used to it mm. so it was two years back to back of actual solitude and the year before that I was in Mecca so the years yeah. it's been like solitude 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 uh, and Ramadan it's so much better the Sahaba was more alone than joint okay see we've gotten accustomed that somebody reads the prayers for us somebody reads the Quran on mm. our behalf we just stand there and listen along and then we say Allah we go down and up but that wasn't Ramadan at the time of the Prophet so Ramadan at the time of the Prophet was different it was more personal the Prophet only led Taraweeh three days three nights that was it the rest of it everybody prayed with their family prayed on their own prayed mm-hmm. with their you know brought their family together and I think that was a, a, a sunnah that we had forgotten to take command of our own homes, our own families, our own loved ones, to be busier with that than busy cooking all day for others. Mm. Which it's wonderful to cook for others and send food to others and Uber food to others, mm. right? But the personal relationship a person can build in the month of Ramadan with Allah is something that's meant to sustain us for the rest of the months. Would you encourage itikaf for like a young guy like me with no commitments? Because I've never yeah. done it for 10 days. I've done a couple of nights and a lot of my friends are the same. And then we always want to. Would it be something or? Um, <coughs> itikaf is a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It depends. Do people uh, have a need for you that cannot be fulfilled without you or not? It depends on some of the other structures and the suitability of the masjid. And whether i'tikaf is a boys hangout or not, whether you know that those kind of things have different dynamics. So, do I recommend the i'tikaf? Yes, one hundred percent. But the concept of i'tikaf is seclusion. So you can make i'tikaf from your phone. You can make i'tikaf in your room. You can make i'tikaf in the masjid. The essence is the masjid. The sunnah is the masjid of the Prophet But the mentality of i'tikaf is important. And I thought maybe I'd end with just saying that there's a difference between siyam and sawm in the language of the Qur'an. So Allah says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ siyam." Siyam is written upon you. Meaning that these are the basic premise of siyam. There's no food, no drink, and no sexual engagement from the dawn till dusk. That's siyam. It's involuntary. It's just a command. Kutiba. It's written. But when Allah speaks about Saum, He says, for example, Maryam, فَقُولِ إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَنِ صَوْمَ Tell them I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to respond to you when they came accusing her of Jesus because I'm in a state of voluntary fast. Saum is an active fast that is voluntary, not just commanded. So you can be in a state of siyam, but not in the, the voluntary aspect of sawm. So the Prophet recommends, مَنْ لَمْ يَدَعْ قَوْلَ الزُّورِ وَالْعَمَلَ بِهِ فَلَيْسَ لِلَّهِ حَاجَةً أَنْ يَضَعَ طَعَمًا You know, if somebody can't control their words and what they say, then Allah has no need for them to leave their food and drink. That's mm. a voluntary aspect. It's not written as being siyam. There's no law that says if you curse your... Siyam is broken, but your psalm is. Your ah. voluntary conscious intent of i'tikaf, of seclusion, of psalm is different to the practice of it. 
So I would then, I would say when it comes to i'tikaf, even if you are not able to go to the masjid, you can perform the voluntary i'tikaf of the mind and heart of your restraint of your behavior in your home as you seek to amplify your suyam as well. There was one more thing because you spoke about how important it is to focus on the Quran. Yeah. And then you said it's reading yeah. and it's not even with the tafsir or the lectures to understand yeah. it. Should people be just reading or memorizing? Like what's encouraged? No, uh, read in the month of Ramadan and make a time for memorizing for the okay. rest of the year as well. The priority is reading. Absolutely. Okay. Inshallah. Subhanallah. Thank you for visiting. I hope it is a blessing and a, and a favor for all of us. Allahumma ameen. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khairan, Sheikh. All the best, inshallah. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe and share it around, inshallah. Ramadan Mubarak. Assalamu alaikum.